With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. E-S-N-Y. Part of Elite Sports Radio, ESNY, Elite Sports New York, the voice, the pulse of New York City sports. This is uh, your host, JB, and uh, sitting across from me as usual, fresh from uh, visiting his Red Sox on the golf course, is Paul E.D. You know, they're hitting him really well, JB. Yeah, unlike during the regular season. <laughs> what, what, what's this I heard? I heard, like, Mookie Betts hits a, hits a golf ball off of the shell of what used to be Dustin Pedroia's knee. Off of oh a, come off on, of that's tree, unfair! Through the sand trap that into is, the hole. Nothing, you know, nothing but net. They put a little net on there that just is, so they could say nothing but net. That is some Caddyshack stuff, right there. It, it really is, um, you know. But uh, you know, they, they're uh, they're playing a scramble right now. I'm sure. Um, Betts, Martinez, and uh, Benintendi and Bradley, and uh, and that's it. And they're it's, gonna, it's about to be payroll roulette. <laughs> Spin the wheel, who's staying? <laughs> yeah, you know, there there is some sense that that there um not that there's gonna be no rhyme or reason to what they're gonna do, but sure. but that they have no idea what to do. Yeah, I they, they've kind of to use a pro wrestling term, they've kind of booked themselves into a corner. It, a little bit. It is a lose lose situation. Right. Where no matter what move they make, players are gonna be upset. Right. Feelings are gonna be hurt. Fans are going to be split as to who should and should not be traded. Right. Godspeed. That's all I can say. It's tough. <laughs> it's, it's a tough offseason. Now, the Yankees, on the other hand. Oh, very well. Yeah. Doing very well. We're on the uh, the eve of the start of the ALCS. Uh, we'll get to that in a minute. But, uh, Paul E.D., the Patriots last night win again. Again. What the hell? You know, I don't know. It's just. Turn uh, off rookie mode. You know, I mean, we're on, you know, uh, uh, you know, we were on to the Giants, and now we're on to the rest of the league at this point. Uh, but what I'm, uh, the thing that I think that we should not get too excited about it for Patriots fans, even though we held uh, Daniel Jones to 161 yards on 15 to 61 completions with three inter- 15 of 31. That's 61. Fi- 51 of 31 uh, with three. Well, c- could have been 61. Could have had 61 of 10. He, he did not look good last he night. He looked a little befuddled. He looked a little, be, bit. A little befuddled, but Foxboroughitis. Well, Belichick has a way has a way. Let's say with rookie quarterbacks, but uh, three interceptions. They lost a fumble. They didn't look. They didn't look great. But neither did the Patriots for the first half. JP. The Patriots didn't look great. I didn't watch that much of the game, um, just because I was what I was what I watched last night. I watched some of a uh, Astros Rays game five. Turned that off in about fifteen minutes. It was okay. It's okay. Sure, moving on. It's okay. Tyler Glasnow, what a rookie mistake tipping your pitches. Well, you know, I mean, it's a big moment, and I think the moment might have eaten up, eaten him up a little bit. Yeah, and, you know, who knows? It, chop his head off with who, an axe. Uh, well, I mean, that's a little dire, but who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm just like, 
I am. I mean, look. If it, I'm legit terrified of Garrett Cole, uh, we'll we'll get to that in a minute. Look, um, if, if Kurt Schilling did that in Game Six of the 2004 ALCS, in the you know, and the Yankees won that game ten to one, uh, the Red Sox fans might have stoned them. You know, it, it's it, tipping your pitches in a big spot is a big deal. It really is. That yeah, that can't be understated. It's you, not not a big deal. You know, Schilling wants the uh, wants the Red Sox pitching coach job. You know, at this point, I mean, our the pitching coach we had's busted down to the scout team. <laughs> Apparently, uh, I think this was Bob Nightingale who tweeted this earlier today. Kurt Schilling is interested in not only the Red Sox pitching coach job, but the Phillies managing job. Also, Congress. He's interested in Congress. That's never going to happen. Well, they, um, these are these are the things. I I don't know if he's, he does a press. He's just starting to do press releases just with things he's interested in. I mean, it's it's un, it's unclear why this is news. Uh, because there's lots of openings around baseball, that's why. Right. Well, we'll cover that on the, we'll cover that in the off season once teams are actually you know allowed to announce hires. Um, but yeah, the Patriots did not look great. Tom Brady, it seemed like the Giants front seven caught him sleeping more than a few times. Caught caught the caught that line he, sleeping. He, he looked almost complacent. Right. And the Patriots as a whole did. Right. Sonny Michelle still got me thirteen and a half points. Yeah, he did well. He did well. I mean, he's not. He's not doing as well as some would like, I'm sure, but that's just the Patriots. They don't really develop a number one running back. You know, I had heard, though, it was because that they were not running out of two tight end sets or they they were not running out. Of, the formations that they were trying to run him out of weren't working for Michelle. Yeah. So um, they got back to a two tight end set, I think, against the Redskins, and, yeah. he, and he ran well. Uh, then uh, oh, Lacoste got hurt. And so, but they were trying to run behind tight ends, I think, last night, and he did well again. He broke off a couple, especially one late. He had like a 20, 30 yard scamper uh, late, late in the game. Um, but yeah, Michelle hasn't, Michelle's been pretty lackluster this season. But, you know, honestly, the Patriots' offense has been pretty lackluster, uh, pretty lackluster this season. And now you get plenty of time off because your next game, it's, um, not this coming Monday night, but the next Monday night football, you uh, visit the Jets, right? So, I mean, it, it, there's a it's a blessing and a curse that we start that the Patriots start for the Patriots that they started the season with quite frankly such an easy schedule, with the exception of Buffalo. But but against uh, but against the top defense in Buffalo or anything approaching it, they haven't looked good at all. So it begs the question: How are they going to look when they face the likes of the Ravens, you know, and the rest of the NFL that that I feel like is kind of waiting for them at this point? I look, they're six and zero, and that's great if you're a Patriots fan and you and you want your team to win. And I want look, I'd love it if they went nineteen and zero, but I don't think it's going to happen. And I think the rest of the league is kind. Of, I think it's a soft six and zero at this point. It's a very soft six and zero, but you know what? Hats off to Belichick. He knows how to adapt. He does. I mean, he's he's he's, 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 he's a great coach. He's, I, to, he's totally mutable. He can, you know, I mean, there's nothing. There's there's really no no other plaudits that could possibly be said about the guy's career at this point. You know. Yeah. Uh, all right. So before we get into the uh, the meat of the Yankee talk, um, Paul D, how about we recap the playoffs uh, as to where we got right now? Now, yeah. now, uh, game one of the NLCS is currently underway. The Nationals currently have a one zip lead on the Cardinals following an RBI double by Jan Gomes. Anibal Sanchez versus for the Cardinals. Who was pitching for the Cardinals today? Not Jack Flaherty. Um, who'd they get? Who'd they get? Um, oh, Miles McCollis. 
All right, he will give up hard contact. Right, I, you know, I'm looking for. I think if the Nat, Nats fans would be looking for Anibal Sanchez to go to work deep into that game. Yeah, Anibal Sanchez, he's he's kind of gone the same route as CC Sabathia, where yeah. it, the the velocity and the and the miles on the arm has kind of caught up with him, and it sort of forced him to become a pitcher. Yeah, because right now he's not. He gives up, I think, more medium contact than hard. His uh, his soft contact is at or about twenty percent. He can work the cutter. He's got a good changeup. He is who you want in game one against a feisty team of the Cardinals who have Paul Goldschmidt, Yadi Molina, right. the the Dexter Fowlers in that lineup. Um, and he can give you a little length, which is what you need in yes. the Nats. Yes, you do. Just because that's a pretty because that's a pretty quick turnaround. Dave Martinez, for all the good things the Nats have done in this postseason, his bullpen management has been atrocious. Well, I mean, he's he's managing literally, it would seem, every game as if it is potentially the last one they're going to play. Well, yes, we saw what his mentor Joe Madden did right. doing that in 2016. He won they won out, right, but barely. Yeah, the arms were exhausted. Barely. Uh, Chapman had absolutely nothing. Yeah, nothing left the, in the at, tank. At, nothing. Nothing at the end of that game. Nothing. Right. And it was and it was not a shock that he gave up a three-run, you know, a three-run homer at the uh, at that time. But you know, but you got to you have to do what you have to do and you have to win to put you have to you know you have to live to play another day and so i can understand the approach i can understand the approach of bringing Scherzer and Strasburg and, and company out of the bullpen uh if i was him but i mean as far as the as far as the Braves and um i mean as far as the Braves and Cards series went i mean that was a beautiful series right up that until the end that was a very national league series that the, that was the this was the kind of series that reminded me of the of the national league playoffs i saw in college a lot of contact hitting right timely right. pitching right and this kind of broke my heart because we're going to do a quick shout out on the podcast my longtime college radio co-host morgan carter Huge Braves fan, just beat lymphoma. Oh, that's amazing! Yeah, just found he just found out a couple of weeks ago he's in remission. That's great. He's got I, th- I think he has maybe one one round of chemo left, but on the whole, full recovery. And I was rooting for the Braves because you know what, the guy could use the pick me up, right? And in Game Five, Mike Fultonavich, Fultonavich did not did not come through. Paulie D. Fultonavich uh, laid an egg. You know, I, I do have a question for you. Did you watch the game? Did you see the game? I did not. I, uh, Unfortunately, I tuned in here and there. I was I wasn't able to watch uh, as much of it as, as I would have liked. Riddle me this, sure. First inning, game five. Okay. Uh, Fultonavich stays in for three hits, three walks, and gives up six runs. When do you, when do you give this guy the, this kid the hook? I mean. Right, like at some point you have, at some point you have to win this. You have to win this game, and and you you can't win it in the first inning, but you can lose it. Right, and which is precisely I, what they did. I forget who the home plate umpire uh, was in that game, but the but watching on a on at bat on MLB at bat, yeah, it seemed like he might have been getting squeezed on some calls. I mean, be but, that as it may, you like, got to that, adapt. That's that's not an excuse, but he's a young pitcher. He hasn't really quite learned how to pitch around a particular umpire's zone yet. And after two hits and a walk, don't you take him out? I, not after two hits and a walk. You know, but you know what I mean? Like after after two runs, do you take him out then? What about four? Four run, Three I, or four would be the cutoff. I'm not sure that that's how they were scored, to be quite frank. But because if, if, we, if we're using the 2017 AL wildcard game as, as, the, as the bar to set, Luis Severino, I think, 
got one out in that game and gave right. up three runs. And then, and so wait a minute, okay, all right, that's fine. So yeah. he, he really trusts his guy, wants Fultonavich to come around because he's he's also, and I think this is part of it, also trying to set up, not only win, but try to set up the next series as best he can, right? I, right. Th- I think that's part of the effort there. You, you need to manage not just for the one particular game, you need to manage for down the road. Right, and what we're, what we're going to see is that's a theme that, that beat two managers in the divisional round in the National League. That's yeah. a theme that beat two managers in the in the, it beat the Braves and it beat the Dodgers. So okay, fine. He's trying to manage not only for this game but for the series down the road because he wants to win this and he wants it all. He wants to get it all. Right. So he brings in Freed. Freed, Freed proceeds to give up four hits and a walk and four more runs. When do you take him out? Don't you take him out after two after, after two hits? I would have taken out after maybe two, maybe three hits. Don't you yeah. take him out when a guy gets to second base or a guy? Do you know what I mean? Like, like when are you going to take these guys out? I don't know. Maybe they were tipping pitches. Could be. Uh, but also, you have to understand these Cardinals. They've been playing together for a long time. Like, except for Paul Goldschmidt, everybody in that lineup has been there for for a significant amount of time. I know the Cardinals. The Cardinals they always seem a, eternal. Yeah, they are. For a while, I, I had an old boss who called them the San Antonio Spurs of Major League Baseball, <laughs> That's just so because true. just because they were so deep. Yeah, they like they they almost invented next man up, like the Yankees are saying right now. Right. Like, oh, somebody's hurt. Great. Here's Tommy Pham. Right. Oh, uh, somebody else is hurt? Hi, Harrison Bader's going to come up Such right a now. great baseball town. It is a great baseball town. Have you been to Bush Stadium? I have never have. I'm, I'm dying to go. I, hey, road trip, let's do it. Let's. We got to do it. it. And next year, let's do it. Leave Emily at home with the baby. Let's Absolutely. Do it. Yeah. Take the, we'll take the baby with us. Teddy you know, Teddy can drive. I'm not changing any diapers. <laughs> <laughs> but but you, do you see but you see what my point is? Like, you can lose the, you can lose the game in the first inning. At right. what point? You know, don't you have to have a quick hook with some of these guys? Well, yeah, I mean, the, like I an mean, Aaron Boone esque hook, like with Louis Severino. You well, know well, I mean? well, that was a Girardi hook because because Boone wasn't the manager of that series. No, but um, but even last year with Severino, his hook was quick. It was a very quick hook. Yes. So, um, eh, don't you got to do that? I think you do. I think that you need to because what Girardi did, he saw Severino didn't have it, and then turned it over to the bullpen. Sure. And and, the, and Chad Green emptied the tank. And so, sure enough, the bullpen brought it home and the bats caught up. Right. Because uh, it's almost as though Girardi knew, hey, no, our, like this is it's a bump in the road, but the bats can make up for it easily if given the chance. And we're going to know early if he has it or not. Right. Whereas, I think in the Brave series, you left Fulton-Navich and then, and then um, not long after that, freed in for too long, 10 runs in the first inning. I don't know if, we, if I can even come out, come back from that in a video game. No, I don't. I mean, I, at that point, the wind is taken completely out of your sails. That you're just kind of like crypt walking through the game. It feels like he raised the. <laughs> it feels like he raised the white flag after Fultonavich had nothing. You really think so? I did. That's what it feels like to me. Leaving a guy in for four runs. Say, all right, fine. You know, finish the inning. Let's get us out of this inning. Ten runs in the first inning. I mean, it, it feels like he. It feels like the Braves thought it was over after the first six. And said, "All right, well, we'll do the best we can, but we got to stick with this guy because they felt that they didn't have enough in the bullpen, quite frankly, to to you know to to win the game. But yeah, it was it was just really surprising. It was uh, I think it, I think it was the most lopsided loss in the divisional series ever, um, or one of them. It's up there. It's up there. I mean, I have, I have to go back and look at years of divisional series scores. It's up there, whatever it is. But uh, shall I say a quick requiem for the Braves? Oh yeah, please. All right." And now a quick requiem. Quick requiem. Not for me, for the Braves. 
from JB. Uh, a lot of fun. <laughs> a fun young team. Ozzy Albies and Dansby Swanson, they gave it their all. But unfortunately, they just didn't have it. The Cardinals were the better team. And now they have to play the Nationals. Now let's talk about the Nationals series real quick, Paulie Day. Sure. Um, the Nationals, first off, they entered this series once again trying to exercise some demons. Ken Rosenthal called their win in the wild card game an exorcism after an incredible comeback against the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, game five here, you had Strasburg on the mound, and it and early on it was, what was it, 3 nothing uh, Dodgers, 4 nothing, 3 nothing, 3 nothing, and you figure, great, same old Nats, but then Dave Roberts, Dave Roberts himself. Right. Now, right, snatched, <laughs> snatched defeat right from the jaws of victory. This is what I don't understand about Dave Roberts. So you had Walker Bueller, who was pitching a near gem. You had Clayton Kershaw come on and get a big out, got out of meeting and struck out. But then you had him come up against Anthony Rendon, who feasts on lefty pitching, and Juan Soto, who, despite not doing well against Kershaw on a very small sample size, he's Ken Griffey Jr. He can mash the ball. Right. Back-to-back home runs later on back-to-back pitches, what did Roberts do wrong? Like, should he have left Kershaw in? Would you have left Kershaw in? No, uh, I don't. I I don't think I would have brought Kershaw into that spot in the first place. Um, I said if I would have brought I would have brought Kershaw in if the lead were bigger. If it were a, if it were a lead of four runs or more, then Kershaw comes in. Right, because you because you're trying to get both here. You're yep. trying to get both. You want to save your bullpen a little bit. Yep, and you want to win the game, right? Because you want to save That's your bullpen right. for later, for the next series, because yep. let's, let's give them a little bit of a break. Let's give them a little bit of a breather because we've been riding them pretty hard through these five games. And... But that's that's how he lost the game. He tried to get both. He didn't just try to win the game. Because if he was just trying to win the game, he's got a full bullpen there. Yep. I saw Maeda. I saw Kelly. I saw Jansen. You use those three, I'm sorry, and you, it, and you win the game. This might go against the grain a little bit. If I am, If I was in that position, I would have said, Kelly Jansen has to get six outs. Right, right. Like, like the, mo- the moment that... The moment that Rendon hit the home run, I would have have I would have brought Jansen in and hope for the best. Right. And instead, what are you paying him for otherwise? To have him sit and watch while former Boston Red Sox Joe Kelly blows the game. Uh, he's good for an inning, Joe Kelly. You've seen him all year. He had a miraculous turnaround this year, but he started off the season sluggish. A little bit more than sluggish. He had an ADRA until about August. Yeah. You know, he he managed to turn it around down the stretch, and that's great. But still, you have your $80, 90000000 million closer, and you leave him on the bench? You leave him on the bench? So what, what really did it for me was not so much Kershaw, although I, I never would have brought him in there. And I feel like Alex Cora has inadvertently started a trend that people want to get onto by bringing his starters in because he did it last year. Guys... Ladies and gentlemen, Alex Cora had to bring his starters in in 2018. He had nobody. There was no bridge to carry. There was there was no there was nobody in that eighth inning. There was nobody. Look at what the bullpen did this year without Kimbrel. There was nobody that could that could pitch innings with leverage that high. 
There was nobody. He had to bring the starters in. Dave Roberts didn't have to bring Kershaw in, but he did anyway. So that's that's a little it's it's a stylistic choice I feel like for for Dave Roberts, you know, and and I guess they like to be trendy out west, but the but the bottom line is I don't even mind that you had Joe Kelly come out for the ninth. I don't mind. It's a tie game and he's yeah. and he's spitting fire. Good. He gets him he, he gets through the he, you know, he gets through the inning on nine pitches, I think. Maybe nine, ten pitches. Yeah, that sounds about right. Something about there. But you bring him out for the tenth? What are you out of your mind? Okay, LaGreca, calm down. No, oh, I mean, oh, jeez, it's that, I, that's got to be. I feel, I feel terrible for Dodgers fans. That's got to be terrible. I feel, I feel terrible for Dodgers fans too, because you and I have a good friend who is a Dodgers fan. He'll, yeah. he'll, he'll, he'll remain nameless. To watch your team lose the World Series two years in a row. Oh, brutal! And then to have the best record in baseball overall this year, to be the first team to clinch. Oh. And then be so unceremoniously bounced Oof. in the first round oh. in Game Five oh. at Dodger Stadium oh. because You're Dave killing me, JB. because Dave Roberts can't utilize <laughs> Kenley Jansen who throws what like 102 miles per hour on a good day. <laughs> The Dodgers beat themselves again. You you don't bring him out for the tenth that he that he didn't come out for the tenth is inexcusable. I don't understand how Dave Roberts still has a job, and B, I don't understand how he can show his face anywhere in the greater Los Angeles area after that loss. I think he's got to go. He's got to go. Got, that's a, that's a, that is a Grady Letellian that, mistake. They, yeah, they they were comparing him to Grady. That Lytle. is a Grady Letellian mistake. I think it was Jeff Passan from ESPN who who said as much. They. Uh, they ha- had a quote from from Roberts uh, from his press conference. I, I'll look it up so I can try and read it read it later on the show. But it was just so incoherent. It was it, they were the words of someone who did not have the answers for why what happened happened. Right, like he was trying to find a way to spin it other than I messed this one up. You you, it, 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 like, that's all you can say. You could just sit there and stammer because we have nothing. <laughs> like Dave Roberts made a bad decision. What else do you want to say about it? I mean, it's like you know, it's like going to a sword fight and leaving your sword at home. I mean, he, 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 you left you left your you left your stop around the bench. You just left him on the bench. Bullpen mismanagement. If I'm Do- if I'm Dodgers management, because because and J- look in Jansen's and look in Jansen's body language. Yep, as he unceremoniously dispatched every hitter. In that, you know, in that tenth inning, yeah. at, you know, after Joe, it just said it all. It just said it all. It was. I don't want to say that Dave Roberts has lost the team, Paul E.D., but he's got to go. He's got to go, or at least be on a very short leash. He's got to go. They, they gave him a lame duck extension after last year, Oof. but we'll see. And uh, let's shift to the uh, the American League Division Series. Uh, starting with, uh, you know, we're going to set the clock now for half an hour because then we could blend this into. Yeah, into the ALCS talk. So yeah, the timer is on. Astros Rays. This was fun series. It was a very fun series. It was a better series than I anticipated. So I, did I. I thought that between home field advantage and the Astros, well, being the Astros, I feel that the, I felt that the Rays were going to get waxed. I did too. Especially after the first two games. Yeah, and this just in, this is from George A. King of, I believe, the Daily News. Aaron Hicks will be on the Yankees ALCS roster. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, we'll get to that in a minute. So, excuse me. Now, the thing about the the Astros is that they can be in so many ways. Yeah. Garrett Cole 
is a machine this year. Justin Verlander gave up a lot of home runs, but is the odds-on favorite, I think, besides Cole, to win the Cy Young. And Verlander, um, pitching on short rest in Game 4, how'd he do, Paul E.D.? Not well. Not well at all. Not well. Um, if <laughs> do, you th- do you think it's a lack of home cooking, or do you think it's just him being on short rest and being his age? I think it's a little bit of column A and a little column B, because right. the, one, the one time that Verlander did technically pitch on short rest in his career was when the Yankees and Tigers were playing in the 2011 playoffs. Mm-hmm. And that only counted as short rest because he only threw an inning of work on a rain-shortened game. Right. Um, which there's some conspiracy theories about that. We'll talk about that uh, off the air. I remember him coming into a playoff game on short rest against the Sox. I think it was 2017. Yeah. He got through a couple. I think it was a couple of innings, maybe two, maybe three. Out of, out of the pen, Out yeah. of the pen. He got, but, you, but you know what? He gave up a home run. Yeah. So, I mean, I think, Verland, I think Verlander at his age, him being he's a notorious creature of habit. Okay. Um, is, is what I what I understand. Uh, I think not that he – I don't – not that he necessarily consciously minds being – you know, having his routine upset, but I, but you know, he's a starter, starting pitcher for a reason. He's a, yes, and starter and starting pitchers, at least some of them, are notorious creatures of habit, like right. Masahiro Tanaka, who we'll talk about later. Um, but I do. You said here the biggest takeaway is that the Astros are immortal, which yes, they are. Yeah, Zach Greinke did not do well at all. No, neither did Verlander in Game Four. However, I think that a lot of that also has to do with Tropicana Field. What about Tropicana Field do you think it has to do with it, though? I think it has to do with the fact that just getting to the ballpark is such a process. What, from the hotel? Okay, let me put you this way, Paul E.D. Now, now, even though the Rays are the Tampa Bay Rays, we all know Tropicana Field is in nearby St. Petersburg. Right. Now, the Yankees, there's, they probably stay either in Tampa or in St. Petersburg. But let's say, hypothetically speaking, that you were staying at the – I actually researched this a couple of years ago, um, writing a case for the, the race to move to Montreal. Which they should. Yes, they should. But that's another show. Um, let's say that you're staying at the Ritz-Carlton in downtown Tampa. Okay. Yeah? Now, Oh, thanks for putting me up at the Ritz. For, you're hope, welcome. Hope you, don't, hope, you don't mind if I, hope you don't mind if I raid the minibar. Within reason, <laughs> <laughs> you like those Pringles, the Cracker Jacks, or right. wait, wait, what? What is Paulie D's uh, mini bar vice? Mini oh, mini bar vice is light beers and definitely canned Pringles. Pringles, huh? Yeah, well, I love Pringles. I'm but, a big Pringles guy. So if I'm walking Teddy, here's a crazy. Here's a, <laughs> so, so so if I'm walking Teddy, yeah, and it's during the day, mm-hmm. I'll stop by the Dwayne Reed near my house, and I will get a Coca Cola. Okay. And an entire sleeve of, of sour cream and onion Pringles. That's the worst flavor. And it's the best flavor. And yeah. and you are a Philistine for saying this. For, for saying yeah, you that. gotta get the pizza licious. Uh, actually, the last time I did this, uh, they didn't have they they had a can of sour cream and onion. All right. I bought it. I went outside, and somebody had opened it, and so I returned it and got the pizza licious, and those were also delicious. But be that as it may, are, are there salt and vinegar Pringles? There are, yeah. Oh man, there's game, many, o- game there, over for me. There are many different flavors of Pringles. <laughs> Pringles, more, more. Please th- sponsor us, <laughs> right? More, more than you could eat. So, can. so you, anyway, anyways, yeah. It's you know, while I'm walking, Teddy, I, I, I eat a can of Pringles, like an entire sleeve of Pringles. What does your wife have to say about this? She, she thinks it's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I uh, so you remember remember the soda surge? Yeah. So when when my wife Caitlin and I when we sold our condo and with some of the proceeds we were able to, we were able to keep after the fact, 
I uh, said, you know what? I'm allowing myself one <laughs> stupid purchase. I spent $20 on Amazon on a 12-pack of damn Surge. <laughs> Best $20 I ever spent. Oh, She's man. still mad at me about it. I thought you were going to say that you bought case upon case of Surge. That oh, you, uh, oh that I you, would have. That you piled all the condo proceeds into Surge. And that, yeah, no, that would that would have been hilarious. Yeah, but anyway, back to Houston Rays. Uh, All right, so I'm I'm at the Ritz Carlton. Yeah, you're so you're I'm at the, downtown Tampa. Yeah, you're staying at downtown Tampa. There is one road that goes from downtown Tampa to the Trop, and according to a friend of mine whose mom lives in the Tampa area, it is a two maybe three lane highway that on game days is backed up to high heaven. Oh, so just getting there as a player, assuming you're staying in Tampa. Even in like a chartered bus or like a private car, unless you want to go really early. Yeah, and I looked this up too. There is public transit you can take there. There's, but you have to take two buses. One of which takes you past the stadium, so you then have to take the second bus to double back. They should helicopter the guys there. Sure, why not? They really no. They, I mean, they have Uber. That, that would. They that have would, Uber helicopters now. So you do know. they really? Yeah, they have Uber hel- Uber Uber copters, or they have, or they have. I don't know if I don't know if specifically Uber runs a helicopter service. I know that they're I know that they're they're starting to advertise it in certain localities, but there are um and in the New York City area, for example, there's helicopters you can pay a thousand dollars to and they can get you from Jersey to LaGuardia or JFK. Yeah. Well, but you know, look, if you're yeah. if if time if you're of a certain income and time is of the essence, you can do it, you know? Um I, let me just add right now that they taking a helicopter to a ball game in Florida is probably the most Florida thing one could do, <laughs> yeah. or at least one of them. <laughs> Florida man takes helicopter to Tropicana Field, crashes through the roof. Yeah, well, Jeffrey Loria takes helicopter to the Marlins game, crashes onto the field. Everyone rejoices. It only Th- gets, that's terrible. It, I take that back. It could only so. be it could only be more Florida if a gator were actually were actually <laughs> flying the helicopter. Yeah. Or, or was riding in, or was the sole passenger. This just in, Stuart Sternberg has has sold the Tampa Bay Rays to Florida Man. Uh, uh, bath salts may or may not have been involved. Unsurprising. Uh, but anyway, uh, the Rays put up a great fight. I think they used home field advantage to their advantage. Um, the the Astros are indeed mortal, but part of me wonders now, after winning game five, if they're either going to be winded or they're going to be angry. Right. And... Given what I know about this team, I wouldn't be shocked if they if they uh, if they showed up angry. Well, I'm I, I think I'm actually more hopeful than you, especially for the Yankees prospects. Uh, but you know, we'll get to that when we start doing doing predictions. Um, yeah, I think next we got the Yanks and the Twins series, which was a drubbing. Oh, uh, the Yankees and Twins series. This was, I remember watching Game One at home. I kind of got discouraged early because the Twins were were doing the long ball thing. Yeah, Jorge Polanco managed to be a thorn in the side over the first over Game One and kind of into Game Two. Right, Nelson Cruz. I at his age, I don't know how he can still uh, still hit like that. Maybe, still doing it. Maybe he's doing more steroids. I don't know. Sure, but why not? Wouldn't you? <laughs> I don't know. But if the only penalty is "quote unquote" disgrace, and you can land a twenty million dollar a year contract, look, here, wouldn't you do steroids? Because I would, I would do a lot of steroids. Look, I would do all the steroids. Here's my takeaway from the Twin Series. Now you remember the Toronto Blue Jays around like 2014, 2015, and I think in 2016 as well. 
when they slugged a lot of home runs, a yeah. lot of their te- a lot of their payroll was invested in these hitters like the Bautista, Ho- Jose Bautista, yeah. Edwin Encarnacion, Russell Martin. I said it then, and I think this describes the Twins perfectly. Those who live by the homer die by the homer. Yeah, it's true. Because uh, you said here the Twins struck out at a 31% rate. That's crazy. That number to me screams of guys trying to do too much. Yeah. They were trying to just score runs quickly, build the lead quickly, and then and then just kind of have the Yankees playing catch-up from the get-go. But the Yankees pitchers were too smart for that. James Paxton had the curveball going. Right. Masahiro Tanaka, he had that one bad inning, but then the bullpen was was sharp and rested the rest of the way. It's not only and it's not JB. It's not only guys trying to do too much, but it's even worse through the first two games because after the first oh, you've two, got, you've got some deeper numbers. After the first two games, the Twins struck out at guess the rate for the first two games. This, you want the Twins strikeout rate for the first two games? Two games, forty percent. Forty percent. Forty percent. I was going to guess around forty-five. Forty. It was forty. But that's still that's and 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 it really speaks to your point of they're really trying to do too much, especially in those first two. There's a lot of adrenaline firing through these guys, and yes, the game three kind of brings the whole average down. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because they they settled in a little bit. It, to me, I, I totally agree with what you're saying. It also appeared to me not only that the not that the twins were overmatched, but that that. For some reason, they might have felt like they were, and that they were just trying to yank the ball out of the park with every swing. I think a lot of it also has to do with the fact that Rocco Baldelli made some rookie mistakes, especially when it came to setting the rotation. Could be. So, game one, he puts out Jose Barrios, who, though a very young and talented talented pitcher, does not have good numbers at Yankee Stadium. Yeah. Game two, Randy Dobnak, who during spring training was an Uber driver and was a September call-up. Right. Yeah, you you just look disappointed at that at that decision. Yeah. Is it because Rocco Baldelli is a New England guy? No, it's just that I it's not what I would have done. And also, because I, I looked into Randy Dobnak just because you know as well as I do, the Yankees for several years, every time they faced a pitcher they'd never seen before, deer in the headlights. Right. They made him look like a Cy Young Award winner. So I took the liberty of looking at Randy Dobnak's um, game log for when he came up. The only really good team he faced was the Indians. And how and, do they do? Uh, I think he beat them, but they were kind of free-falling at the time. And everyone else was either the Tigers, the Royals, like non-playoff teams. Now, Randy Dobnak's a great baseball name. He looks like someone who should star in a reboot of Major League. Yeah. No, he has a good look. Yeah. But that's not – I don't care how hot you are in September – Unless you are an established ace like Luis Severino, if you're a new guy, I'm not trusting you in the playoffs, especially to start a game. Whoa, whoa, come out of the, the Yankees, come out of the bullpen. You know what's yeah. wrong with that? What's wrong with what's do, wrong? Do, with an, co- do an opener. Have right. someone else throw the throw the first inning and then have Dobnak um, eat some innings. Right. Simple as that. It's I. I it's it was frustrating to me. Is it? I I I'm obviously not a Yankees fan. Uh, it's frustrating to me as somebody who loves to watch the Yankees lose um to to see teams really shoot themselves in the foot when they play the Yankees because the Yankees are a really good ball club this year they're a really good ball club and you have yeah. to play really really well to beat them and managerial decisions like that are just hamstring your team and they don't right. they don't it's not putting your team in and the now, best position to win is and, all I'm saying and now Baldelli could be on the verge of losing his bench coach because uh, Derek Shelton, he's getting interviewed for the Mets and the Pirates jobs, I think. Oof. 
Now, the good news for the Twins is that their core is going to be around for a while. They, right. they didn't have Byron Buxton this series, and he and his speed is a big difference maker along with his, his defense in center field. I have every feeling that they will take the division again next year, Yeah, but they need to not make the same mistake those Blue Jays teams of old did. And they need to invest in some pitching, right? I because agree. their yeah. mo- their most expensive pitcher that on the roster is Jake Odorizzi, who lost Game Three. He made nine and a half million dollars this year. Yeah, and he's a free agent this year. He's a free agent. Garrett Cole's a free agent, and the Twins they were in the they were in play for Kimbrel. They were able to sign guys like Nelson Cruz. Why not spend some extra cash and say to Garrett Cole, just craft a pitch? Hey, this team, all we're missing is you. Yeah, just like it's just like Kawhi Leonard and the Clippers. We're missing one piece. Yeah. The Twins need an ace-level pitcher yeah. who can lead that staff yeah. and then just take them home. Because if you add Garrett Cole to the Minnesota Twins pitching rotation, yeah, they play in the worst division in the American League. I actually, I actually think you fracture the talent, the talent in the American League. You, you, you essentially break the, the Houston dominance between you know Houston and Minnesota and that op- reopens the door for continued American League East dominance from the Yankees and the Red Sox. Speaking, I am, all, I am of, all. I, so I, what I'm saying is, I am all for that. Speaking of the Yankees, Paulie D, you added a note here how the Yankees were 10 to 15 percent better than the Twins in every phase of the game. So why don't you expand on that for us, please? All I'm saying is that they, you know, they hit about 10 or 15 percent more homers than the Twins did. They struck out uh, about 10 to 15 percent less, actually more than that. Uh, than the Twins did. They drew uh, a lot of walks. They they for the first two games they were they walked at double their season rate. Um, after three games they they can't kind of came down back down to earth and and were about at their season rate. Uh, but all I'm saying is the Yankees. My real point is this: the Yankees played the Yankees team that beat the Twins did not look like the Yankees team in terms of the three true outcomes in terms of that uh, looking at it through that lens did not look like the Yankees team that had gotten through the entire regular season they were significantly better when they when they played the twins in in just about every each one of those three phases of the game they were they were just better and what i'm saying is i don't know if the i don't know if this is really who the Yankees are or if the Yankees just got hot for this series, but if it, but if this is who the if the team that played the Twins is who the Yankees are, Houston has to watch out because I'm Houston, inclined to agree. because Houston's getting bounced. Uh, here's a here's a stat that I looked up in terms of Game One. Now the Twins uh, pitching staff as a team, as a pitching staff, they averaged just under three walks per nine innings. Right for the season. Right, I think their surrendered walk rate was something like eight percent or eight and a half percent. Right. In game one, they issued eight walks. Right. In nine innings, and the Yankees averaged four point seven pitches per at bat. Everybody, maybe a little more. Everybody was trying to do too much. Right. Yeah. So you're trying to be too fine with the pitches instead of throwing the instead of just you know rearing back and letting her go. Yep. You know and. And you lose control, you lose command of your stuff, and you lose command of the strike zone, and boom, you walk eight guys. That's it's a, JB. It's exactly what you said. You know, especially through those first two games, if it, it really did feel like everyone was trying to win the game with one swing, with one swing or one pitch or, or yep. one moment, and you can't do that. If the Twins, and I think they will make the playoffs next year, I do hope that they could just kind of settle down and play as the team that they are, because the team that they are is a really good team. 
and, yeah. and, and they're competitive, and they were competitive, and they would have been competitive with the Yankees, but unfortunately, they weren't. All right, well, Paulie D, it is officially that time. It is time to discuss Yankees Astros. Cue the music. Big series. It is a very big series. Yeah, it's a big one. Um, and there's so much to discuss. Are you nervous? Are you nervous? I mean, you should be, but are you nervous? I mean, I'm not sure what you mean. I mean, I mean, <laughs> I mean, does that count as nervous? Yes, that. that. <laughs> That's the definition of nervous. Yeah, I, I am admittedly terrified of this series. Um, if you're going to put a gun to my head right now, I'm going to say Astros and six. I think the Yankees will steal one game in Houston. They'll put up a great fight at home, but then we, uh, Houston will go back to Minute Maid Park with that 3-2 lead. They'll have Verlander good to go in game six, and he will bring it home. Um, you're going to make me do it. You're going to make me do it. Make you do what? You're going to make me make a bold prediction. What's that? What I'm saying, though, what I'm saying that is, is if the Yankees team that played the Twins is the real Yankees, Yanks in five. Are you feeling okay? Are you unwell? Yanks in five. That is, I thought you were going to be the one to pick the Yankees, but I'll pick the Yankees. I mean, the, the... I it, it, no, it, it pains me to do it, and I hope with every fiber of my frame that I am wrong, and I hope I'm wrong too. But I <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, if if this if this Yankees team is the real Yankees and they were really just hamstrung by injuries all year, this Yankees team is legitimately terrifying. This the Yankees team is legitimately terrifying. I think that and they're excellent and they they should mop the floor at the Astros. I think that a very telling sign is that some guys who missed the first round uh, against the Twins are going to be back. Cece Sabathia, all signs his shoulders okay. Right. All signs point to him being an arm out of the bullpen to face guys, you know, like Josh Reddick. Right. Um, oh, he's going to give – he should give Reddick fits. Yeah, with that cutter, <laughs> are you kidding me? Um, the rotation has been set. Masahiro Tanaka is going to pitch game one. Okay. Uh, Paxton's going to go game two. And then Sebi's going to uh, have us at home in game three. All right. So Tanaka, game one, on the road against likely Grinky, right? Yes. Okay. How do you feel about that? It's hard. I have I have thoughts, but how do you feel about it? It's hard to say because Masahiro Tanaka in the playoffs, he's known for being kind of a monster. He will show up. He has ice water in his veins. He kind of thrives on the adrenaline rush. Mm-hmm. But on the road this year, he had an ERA over six, and his career and for his career, he has an ERA of four point one five on the road compared to three point three six at home. Right now, similarly against the Astros. Um, <clears throat> Tanaka against Houston for his career, 0-2 with a 6.62 ERA in seven starts. Now, that's only during the regular season. Um, in the in the playoffs, he has been known to shut them down, except right. for the 2015 wildcard game. At Minute Maid Park, Tanaka for his career is 0-1 with a 5.73 in four starts. Now, again, that's the regular season. A lot of that might also have to do with the fact that he wasn't – that. For a time, the Yankees were having some real issues playing in Houston. They seem to have gotten that monkey off their back. Right. But I think that Tanaka in game one, if you're going to throw him out in game one, it better be the right call. Well, and it better be against Grinky because I tell you, Grinky did not look good in Tampa. He really didn't. And and I don't and I don't think it's home or away. Honestly, JB, um, you know, Grinky is great. Uh, Grinky's psychological issues are well documented. Yes, he has social anxiety disorder. He's very open about it. I think it might be the moment. I think it might be too, especially because 
playing with Houston, who in recent years has developed a rabid fan base. Right. Because Texas, even though we like to think of it as a football state, it's also baseball country very much. And everything's bigger in Texas. Everything is bigger in Texas. And Minute Maid Park, in reading Bob Klapish and Paul Solitaroff's Inside the Empire, which I've mentioned on this show several times. All right, I'll, player, read, I'll read the book. Jeez. Players will <laughs> Do your homework. <laughs> uh all players will say, bar none, that on the road, Minute Maid Park is the toughest stadium to play in. It's loud. It gets kind of hot in there. And because they have a smoking section, it reeks of cigarettes. <laughs> That's amazing. You know, yeah. What's so? What, why is that amazing? Because you want to go there and smoke now? Is that I, it? I kind of do. I kind of. <laughs> I kind of want to take. I kind of want to take my pack of Cowboy Killers and uh, Cowboy Killers, Marbreds, and uh, and you know, because uh, they're smooth and mild. And uh, Altrius, please sponsor us. Um, and. Um, uh, and go to the Houston, the Minute Maid Park smoking section. Uh, I but going back to Granky, it definitely is the moment because I I crunched some numbers since being traded to the Astros this year. He's got a winning record at home, but his ERA is in like the in the low fours. Right, and that and, lineup and it, can compensate for him. Yeah, and his home ERA and his away his road ERA I think is is sub three right. as an Astro. Right. So it could be the moment. The Yankees have faced him twice this year. Um, the first time when he was with Eric. Both times he was with Arizona, and the second time, oddly enough, he got traded mid-game. <laughs> um, so they they got to him in that game, but it took him a while. I think that the overall Yankees mantra right now for the Astro series for the ALCS has to be: let them do their thing, wait for a mistake. Absolutely. Like don't try uh, don't try to catch up to to Garrett Cole's fastball. Try to poke it to right. Play your game. Yep. And beat, let them play theirs, and, and just beat them with your game. Because they, if we saw last year, and this is substan- a substantially similar team uh, to the Astros that we saw in the ALCS last year, uh, with the except with the addition of uh, Zach Greinke, but the lineup is substantially similar. Yep, uh, this team can get beat. But this the Astros t- can be gotten to. You you need you need. I I. It's my belief, and the Yankees are the one team I think in the major leagues that are uniquely positioned to do this at this point. Right. The Yankees can make Grinky go four innings or three. They can knock him out after three or four. And I'm not talking with. I'm not talking by scoring six or seven runs. I'm talking just just working the count. Working the count, taking pitches, following yep. pitches off. Yep. The Yankees can do that. Just work good at bats and the rest will come as, as you it can, goes. If you can get to that bullpen and it's a seven-game series and you can consistently get there yep. to that bullpen, you can beat this team. And I and I actually believe that it's possible. I mean, I see if I'm if I have to spin it in a way where the Yankees win game one. I have to say, I think because I think the Astros are going to get to Tanaka, but I think the Yankees are going to get to Grinky too. I think it's going to be a battle of the bullpen. And I think the Yankees can win that. I can only imagine how the Yankees, confident though they are, surely, because yeah. like because watching Aaron Boone's press conferences and just seeing everyone walk on the field at Minute Maid Park earlier t- earlier today, because they flew to Houston this morning. Um, it just seems like everyone's so calm, cool, and collected. They enjoyed the. Uh, the extra time off. They enjoyed getting some workouts in at home yesterday. But underneath all of that, I can't help but think that behind closed doors when the cameras are off, it's kind of like um, that Game of Thrones episode where they're just waiting for the army of the dead to show up. Right. Just everyone's kind of holed up. Maybe 
Maybe Aaron Judge is singing is singing Jenny of Old Stones for everyone. Sure, why not? Aaron Boone is saying, "All right, everyone, drink up while you got it." Absolutely. Maybe uh, Greg Bird, despite all of his injuries, gets knighted. Right, and then sent on his merry way. Right, John Snow. You know, John. You know, uh, uh, John Targaryen comes by and says, "Winter is coming." All right, yeah. John. We know who is the John Snow of the Yankees. Would you say John Snow of the Yankees? It's oh. not Aaron Judge. No, it's not. It's got to be somebody new. It's, it's got- DJ LeMayhew. Oh, yes. DJ LeMayhew is Jon Snow. Winter is coming. I mean, he's certainly quiet and broody enough. Right. No, he definitely is. Um, and, you know, he's large enough, too. But, no, but... Um, Six foot four. I can't believe yeah, it. <laughs> they, were saying in the, they were saying in the All-Star game, I think it was George Springer was saying, it's the biggest second baseman I ever seen. I remember um, <laughs> early in the season, I was at my parents' house, and my stepdad, who's a very casual baseball fan, he, like... He asked me, so this guy LeMayhew, like, where, where was he before? I go, oh, he was on the Rockies, won a batting title. Yeah, but he, he seems big for a second baseman. I go, yeah, he's 6'4". <laughs> he's 6'4"? <laughs> and then I explain, well, he, he plays first and third, too. Right. Uh, if he's not, He has to be the MVP this year. I don't see how he isn't. But um, while we have a few minutes left, let's get back to the Yankees-Astros series. The lineup preview, I don't see how the Yankees don't use the same lineup they did going into the Minnesota series. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. So how does Hicks fit in? Hicks is probably going to be a leading defensive replacement because you know how right. um, they would take Stanton out and put in Cameron Mabin. Right. I think that Hicks becomes that defensive replacement who you get him some some uh, some time in the field, get keep his legs fresh, let him worry about about the timing with the bat later. Mabin, by extension, becomes your pinch runner. Right. Um, and. In, in case of an extreme circumstance, you put him as in the after as a defensive replacement. But no, what you do with Hicks is that uh, you take Stanton out, you shift Gardner over to left, and you put Hicks in center. Then you have Judge over and right. That is an excellent defensive outfield. No, it's good, and and I and I and I think um, uh, and I think it's more than adequate. Uh, what I would say though is I think they're gonna get try to get Hicks at bats just to just if they can. In low yeah. le- in low leverage situations, just to try to try to inject that Hicks power and clutchness kind of into that lineup whenever they right. can. I think that it's a, again, it's a seven game series, especially if it goes long. I, the longer it goes, the more likely it is, I believe, that we'll see Hicks start. I think I think that's entirely accurate. I think we're going to get to a point where, assuming this is a long series, which I have it going six games. You're going to have to see some guys subbed out. You have to ride a hot hand, or you need to try something new. You have to just constantly make those adjustments while also trying to keep Houston on its heels. Um, I think that you got, you're going to see a lot of sliders from the Yankees, lots of off-speed pitches, lots of two-seamers. I don't think that very often you're going to see them be aggressive and come at the Astros the way that Garrett Cole would come at an opposing lineup with his crazy fastball. Right. I think that you're going to have – uh, with Paxton and, and Tanaka, especially with between the splitters, the sliders, the curveballs, the cutters, you're going to see a lot of trying to catch Houston making a mistake at the plate. Absolutely. You're going to really force them. And if you're going to get them on base, you're going to make sure that they've had to foul a few pitches off so they're already tired when they get to the back. Right. It's going to be a long series. It is going to feel like the actual World Series. No disrespect to the Cardinals or the Nationals. I, I think this, the winner of this series has got to win it all. Still, I, yeah, easily. Because uh, the Nationals and the Cardinals, no disrespect to them. The Yankees and, and or the Astros should will walk over either of these teams. The only team, the, the only reason the, na- I, I, it, the Nationals give me pause is because of the starting pitching. 
is because of the Scherzer and Strasburg one-two punch. And if those guys are just, you know, committed, especially in a seven-game series where they both go twice, and if they're yeah. breathing, if they if you catch them and they're breathing fire, that's that's tough. I mean, the you know, right. that, that's 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 the only reason the Nationals might give me pause. But no, I I I actually agree with you. I think the winner of the winner of the ALCS is going to win the World Series. The only circumstances under which I can see the American League not winning the World Series this season, no disrespect to the National League again, it's that the only way the National League wins is if the Yankees or Astros just enter the World Series and are just so damn tired. Right. If it goes seven. All, if it goes seven, even if it goes six. Yeah. Even if it goes five, these games are going to last four hours or longer. Right. So that's a grind. Right. And then to factor in travel and going back and forth and all that jazz, it's going to be a very tough series. I'm excited for it. Yeah, it's going to be fun. It truly is, a, as John Williams put, the duel of the fates. And I, you couldn't have scripted it better. No, you couldn't have. You think the Yankees have it in five, huh? You know what? That's the prediction I'm going with, Yanks in five. I'm going to have to stay with Astros in six. Like, I, I love my team, but the Astros are just too good. No, I got it. I mean, like, Garrett Cole, he's in Chuck Norris territory right now. Chuck Norris checks his closet for Garrett Cole at night. <laughs> Chuck Norris wears Garrett Cole pajamas. <laughs> Justin Verlander, uh, Garrett Cole calls him. He's like, yes, sir. <laughs> I mean, like, what more can you say about it? Well, like, you know, look, Astros in six. At, Astros, are, Astros look like world beaters until they don't. That's that's what I think. That's what we all learned we'll last see. year. I mean, you think the Yankees are super similar to last year's Red Sox, especially with the lineup. They do have a better bullpen. I don't know, but unfortunately, Paul D, that's all the time we have oh, for today. Man. I know we always have fun. We always have fun recording here at the QED and Astoria. Special thanks to them. Special thanks to ESNY for letting us host this podcast continually. And uh, Paul D, you got anything to add? We got shirts. We, we got, got shirts. Yeah, tell us where you can find those shirts. We got Savage shirts for sale. They are on Teespring in the You May Be Right podcast store. You should be able to search on Teespring, but the links will be up on our Twitter accounts. Yes, sir. Post haste, and you'll be able to find them there. Uh, it's, it's just really, really great looking shirt for uh, all the Yankees fans who are feeling like savages out there. So uh, we got a really talented artist to do them, and we're really proud of how they came out. So uh, we hope you'll we hope you'll pick one up. They come in. Uh, they come for men. They're they're in men's sizes, women's sizes, and even for babies. Oh well, so you're gonna get let Teddy wear a little savages shirt. I will. All right, rock on. And uh, where can they find you on Twitter, Pauly D? At Pauly D says. All right, and you can find me at Josh B E S N Y with some uh, Yankees uh, playoff reactions and some stat facts. And uh, you can find us on Twitter at May Podcast. We're going to be cleaning up that Twitter page very soon. And uh, you know what they say, Pauly D? What's that, JB? You may be wrong, but for all I know, you may be right. Yankees, please beat the Astros. Yanks and five.